Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. That we're going to work our way through is called the crossroad. The crossroad. And a crossroad is a road that crosses a main road. And what we're going to do in the next several Sundays leading up to Easter is every conversation, not every, but there are some conversations that I would like to highlight with us where Jesus was passing through and there was this crossroad where someone's life intersected with his life, the master's life, and they were forever changed. You see, a crossroad is a road that crosses a main road, but it's also a point at which a crucial decision must be made that will have far-reaching consequences. And so these are uh, the next few Sundays that we're going to have leading up to Easter, the crossroad. And I pray that you would not just be here today, but that you would commit to attending leading up to Easter because every week we'll build and build and build upon Jesus' last crossroad up to the cross. And today we're going to start it all off in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, would you stand with me as we read John chapter 4. And we have it on the screen. I'm going to jump right in. If if you need more time, just hurry. John chapter 4, verse 1, and here's what it says. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Verse 2, in parentheses, it says, Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. In verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of ja- that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, verse 13, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. In verse 16, we see a shift. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. 
You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And let's jump to verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And just then the disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? And the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now jump, jump with me to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Why? Because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And here's verse 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I know it's already anointed to accomplish whatever you want in our hearts and lives. Father, today I ask for your anointing on my heart, my mind, my lips, that I might speak your word. Lord, quicken our hearts to hear what you want to say to us today. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. What an incredible story, and I know we jumped and skipped some verses. Uh, there's a great portion that we did not read that speaks about worship. We read it during worship, about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. But in any case, in this event, um, Jesus is actually leaving, and he's going from one place, the Bible tells us, Judea, and he's returning now to Galilee. And he doesn't want to cause any stirring. You see, the Pharisees are saying, hey, John, you're baptizing people. But on the other side, there's Jesus baptizing other people, almost like they were trying to stir things up between what John was doing and what Jesus was doing. But I like the verse 2 in parentheses is there to correct the false report. Jesus was actually not baptizing people. The disciples were doing the work of the ministry. And so Jesus, to avoid any kind of wrong you know, so conclusion to what that report said, he just says, okay, I'm, I'm going to just move on. Now, what it, we need to know is there are two ways or two routes um, to go from Judea to Galilee. There was a longer one, which is the east side of the Jordan River. If you have a map at the back of your Bible, just it's to the right, the east side. Or the quickest and most direct way was straight through Samaria. And this is the way that most people used. What's important for us to note in verse 4 is Jesus, or the author is telling us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Yeah, but there were two possible routes. He could have chosen the other one. But in verse 4, just take note that it says that he had to go through Samaria. And we're, we're going to come back later to why. But the, the had to go implies a divine reason. 
a divine reason why Jesus had to go that specific way. Verse 6 tells us it was, it was noontime. Noon was the hottest time of day. The sun was beating down, and Jesus is tired from his walk or his journey. Last week, we read that Jesus took a nap in the boat because he was tired from his ministry uh, to people. And now we find Jesus who's walking, just like you and I walk and we get tired. My, my daughter at the mall, she's like, Daddy, up. And I said, no, you're going to walk, little child. You're going to walk. And we get tired. Jesus got tired. Though he was fully God, he was still fully man as well. And it's hot. And now Jesus approaches the well of Jacob, as it says in Scripture. And the first thing I want to draw your attention to is that Jesus will show up even when everyone else has rejected you. And now we're going to get into the crossroad between Jesus and this woman at the well. Jesus will show up even when everyone else has rejected you. And you see, verse 8 even goes to mention that the disciples even had left and they went into the village to find food. So the setting for this encounter with Jesus and the woman at the well is simply this. There was no one around. There was no one around. Even the disciples were gone. So this was a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus. And she didn't know who he was in, in his fullness. But we're going to look at that today. So it was unusual for a woman to visit the well alone. But in this scripture, in this passage, she's alone. She was actually likely considered something of a social outcast. And here's what I, I want to tell you. When nobody else is there, Jesus is waiting. Even though nobody else is there, Jesus is waiting. And she was considered an outcast in her shame, in her insecurity, now in her loneliness. But see... You read that first verse, you might not think a big deal of it, but when you get down to the later part that we read, and Jesus reads her mail, so to speak, talks about the men that she's been married to and the one she's living with that's not her husband now, you now kind of understand why she's alone, why she might even be insecure. Listen, it's the hottest time of day. No one wants to go out. I remember growing up, I used to, I, I wouldn't think about that, but I would go cut the grass whenever I, I found time, like I was 15 years old. And my dad goes, why are you cutting the grass at 1 or 2 p.m.? It's the hottest time of the day. The sun's going to burn the grass. He's like, do it early in the morning or later. It's the hottest time of day. No one would really be around. But this lady was going to draw the water because she didn't want to encounter people. And maybe people didn't want to be around her. So in her insecurity and loneliness, she shows up at this well, but Jesus was already waiting for her. And Jesus is there. And I want to also say this, that Jesus is willing to cross cultural barriers for you. These are just some statements, and I want you to write them down to remember them. Jesus will cross cultural barriers for you. And he's no respecter of persons, doesn't care what city you were born in, doesn't care the color of your skin. Jesus wants to meet with you, and he's willing to cross cultural barriers. See, verse 7, Jesus asks her. So he's there, he's waiting, but who initiates it all? Jesus. And he opens up his mouth, and he says to her, please give me a drink. Now, 
you might say, okay, what's the big deal? Like he, he even said, please, like he's being polite. You have to understand the culture of the day. So his action in, in asking for the drink overcame two Jewish prejudices. Number one, you don't speak, if you're a Jewish person, you do not speak to a Samaritan. And if you're a man, you definitely don't speak to a woman. So those were, those were two things that Jesus overcame and crossed the, the road or broke through the cultural barrier. And in verse 9, the racial prejudice is even heightened when she responds, and I want to read it. She says, but you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, almost like just drawing a line clearly in, in the dirt road, saying, why, like, why are you even talking to me? Don't you know? This is not what you people do. Just it's heightening and the uh, anticipation is building. And possibly her words were meant to keep Jesus at bay because she didn't want to be seen maybe with another man. She just wanted to do her thing, hurry up and get out before people would come later on. But her words, they were possibly meant to do that. But Jesus used it to deepen the conversation. So she's saying, you know, why are you even talking to me? And Jesus now takes it a whole step further. And so here's the next thing, if you want to write them down. Jesus will always move things from surface to spiritual. From surface to spiritual. So she, in this whole interaction, she's so focused on water. She's so focused on the rope and the bucket. And when Jesus offers her living water... She doesn't quite understand that he's not talking about an actual spring of living water. She's, that's what she's thinking of. But he's talking about spiritual water that you will never thirst again. And through verses 10 to 15, this is that it's like a back and forth encounter or conversation. And it's going on and on. And so Jesus does it by using that phrase living water. That's how he takes her from surface to spiritual. It had a double meaning. Like I said, running water versus spiritual water. And in verse 11, she says to Jesus, but you don't even have a rope or a bucket. How are you going to give me living water? So this is all she sees. And then in verses 13 and 14, if you drink this water, Jesus says, you will still get thirsty. But those who drink the water I give will never thirst again. And I love her response in verse 15. She's like, oh, this sounds good then. Please, sir, give me this water. Why? So I never have to come here again. So again, she's still thinking with her head and about her unknown. Seemingly, she didn't know Jesus would read her life so well. So she's thinking, yeah, I really hate doing this. Like the shame, ridicule. I try to do it when no one's around. You know, if I, if I would never have to come back here, this would be great. This would be great. And Jesus takes it from surface now. To spiritual. I want to say this in your conversations, if you're a believer, as you, you know, don't just go for coffee to talk gossip. Don't go to talk about your favorite show. Hey, did you see what so and so did? And oh my goodness, what a cliffhanger ending. Let your conversation, it can start there, but let's let's be used by God as we encourage one another. Let's take conversations from surface to spiritual. Let's talk about the things of God more. Because there are enough websites, blogs, and all of these other things that will talk about the media and TV and all of that stuff. But, but there's wholesome conversation for us to have. 
the things of God. We, we commissioned Aaron and Lizzie through Scripture. Talk about these things in the morning, in the, when you're going to work, around the table, right? But we have to live it out, yes? Amen? So Jesus was the master at doing that. You might say, well, yeah, but he's Jesus, fully God. Yes, but did you know you have the same Holy Spirit who works inside of you that he can give and use you in, in a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to share with someone? And in a moment, they go from being hard and to you broke through their defenses, not you, but God used you to do that. And so that's what Jesus does in verse 16. We see it transition. So she keeps talking about the water and the bucket and showing up and all of this. And now Jesus, out of nowhere, seemingly says, uh, go and get your husband. <laughs> and her initial response is in verse 17, well, I don't have a husband. And she wasn't lying, but she hid a big part of the truth. It's a big difference. So you could be here today. And you could say amen to something I say and agree with it and, and find truth in something, but keep the rest back from God. And I want to submit to you, even in our worship, as we said before, in your worship, don't just give God the good part and say, Lord, thank you for blessing, and, and then hide everything else. No, put it all in front. Put it all at the forefront and say, Jesus, I come just as I am. Thank you, Lord. You accept me as I am. And his invitation is come. He's waiting for us. So he takes things from surface to spiritual. And you know what? I'm guilty of this too. I'm guilty of it too. I love just talking life with people. But the real life is eternal life. And that should, should also be of concern to us. Because you might, someone might say, hey, let's grab coffee. And they might be really crying out inside, but they're not going to express it. They're just maybe hoping that it, in, over coffee something might happen. Something might spark out of that. You never know. So I just say have your spiritual antennas open and, and up that you might see what God wants to say to you and through you. So Jesus will always move things from surface to spiritual. And it's as if she had a moral blockage. Like, like there, it wasn't connecting what Jesus was saying, it was not connecting yet. She didn't even know, possibly, the nature of her own need. And so the woman was faced, uh, was actually forced to face reality, admitting, I have no husband. Although she hid the fact that she was living with a man. So here's why that, that kind of matters. Jewish teaching disapproved of a woman having had more than three husbands, whether it was through divorce and whatnot. But having more than three husbands, the woman was in great moral and spiritual need because she had five. She, so it's like three is okay. It's pretty bad. But five is even worse because now there's no, we don't know what to do with you anymore. Like you, you broke every cultural norm and, and moral law that we know. And so no kidding, she's alone fetching water. But at the same time, no wonder Jesus, in verse 4, it said he had to go through Samaria. No kidding, she was there alone. But no wonder Jesus had to go through Samaria. And Jesus will do whatever he has to to encounter or give you one encounter with him. This is the beautiful picture of it. Luke 19, verse 10, 
If you want to understand the heart of Jesus, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost. And, and this morning, you don't have to be perfect to be in church. Did you know that? Because, I mean, she didn't have her life together, but yet Jesus was more than willing to wait for her at the well and to meet with her and to even initiate the conversation. He's more than willing. You see, Jesus will reveal himself to you. This is another statement you can write down. And I just want to show you that through this, uh, th this passage, this story, we, we kind of skipped a few verses in our reading of it. I encourage you to go home and read more. But we find a progressive revelation of who Jesus is. In verse 9, she identifies him as, but you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. So there's a progressive revelation. Then verse 19, oh, you must be a prophet. Well, why? Because Jesus was able to see right through the surface things and address her need, even though she didn't know she had a problem. But, but Jesus knew. And so she says, well, you must be a prophet because you told me everything I've ever done. And then in verse 26, Jesus reveals that he is the Messiah. And we're going to jump to the last part of our scripture this morning in verses 39. And this is how I want to tie everything together with the time that we have left. Because I believe that Jesus wants to do some things this morning before we walk out. Can somebody say amen? And I believe that he's here and he's been waiting for you. That, that there is an encounter at the crossroad of your life where you find yourself today. And I believe that Jesus is here and he wants to change your life as you know it. Verse 39 of our text says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. So just by the sheer fact that she left. And by the way, let me just say one more thing. The disciples, remember, they were not even there. They, had, they went into the village to get some food. Now they're on their way back. And they noticed this. Well, she thinks it's a great opportunity for, for me to just leave. Jesus can fill the disciples in on what's going on. And so the Bible says she ran off to go tell everybody. And you know what it says? You could have missed it if you read it once. But if you read it twice, three times, you'll catch it. She left the jar there. The very thing that she went to the well for became of no importance anymore because she, she had encountered the true living water. His name is Jesus. And so she leaves the jar and she runs to go tell everybody, hey, come and meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. And he could it be that he is the Messiah? Because they were waiting for the Messiah. But Jesus actually revealed it to her, I am the Messiah. So now in verse 39, we pick it up from there. She said, come. He told me everything I've ever done. And in verse 40, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. And I love this. Jesus stays two days. He's not just one day, not half a day. He stays two days. And look at what it says. Verse 41, he stays two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then here's verse 42. And this is highlight, underline it, tweet it, write it, post it on your fridge. 
But I need you to hear this today. Then they said to the woman, who? All of the people that she called and said, come. All the people that now listened and heard Jesus for themselves and, and now believed. They said, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, somebody else's secondhand revelation is not going to give you firsthand freedom. I'm going to say that again. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, somebody else's secondhand revelation is not going to give you firsthand freedom. Let that sit for a second in your heart, in your mind. Well, my neighbor told me about church and told me that God does like incredible things. Apparently he heals. There's no firsthand revelation. It's just I heard. Something happened in these people of Samaria. By the way, the gospel wouldn't fully reach the Samaritans until Acts chapter 8, way after Jesus was gone. And Philip was one of the first people there preaching in Samaria. And many believed later on. This was one of the first. Jesus crossed into Samaria to bring the gospel to this woman who by everyone else's standards was not good and she was unworthy, she was sinful. And Jesus thought it fitting to meet her at a well, a place where she knew she would be alone at that time of day. And God uses her now to reach all these people in her village. Wow. I, I, man discounts people like that, but God says, I'm going to use you to start reaching some people now. And here's the thing I want to say to everyone in the room this morning. We love you so much, but God loves you so much more. And you need to know that today. And here's the thing. You can hear from my mouth even everything and how good God is or from Spencer or from Aaron and Lizzie today. But my question is, do you have a first-hand experience have you had a first-hand experience or encounter with God otherwise you're just hearing it from a third party when God is saying I'm here for you today I'm gonna to invite everyone to stand to your feet in this place now we believe not just because of what you told us but because we have heard him ourselves and this is the, the progressive revelation of who Jesus is. We said it started as identifying him as a Jew, as a prophet, as a Messiah. And now the people of Samaria declare, surely you are the Savior of the world. Today, you might be here and all you've ever known is a secondhand experience with Jesus but you haven't encountered him for yourself. This morning, it is very simple, and I would love to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What that simply means, you may have heard that phrase, it just simply means inviting him to be Lord. You see, the Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. So he's knocking today. He's knocking on your heart. And the Bible says, if you seek, you shall find. Ask and you will receive. And this morning, 
I truly believe that as you would desire that encounter with Jesus, oh, he's been waiting for you all morning long, brother and sister. And in this place, I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. And I want you to think about your life. Because you might say, well, if you really knew everything I've done wrong, I'm not worthy of even being in church today. And I'd, I'd say to you, well, you're wrong. Jesus is here to meet with you. And on the crossroad of your life, a decision has to be made. A decision must be made that will have far-reaching consequences in your life. Today, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to simply ask you a question. Have you had a first-hand encounter with Jesus Christ? And if not, it would be my pleasure to lead you to pray and invite Jesus to come and to have that relationship, that encounter with Him. So everyone here within the sound of my voice, if you've never had a first-hand encounter with Jesus, but today on the crossroad of your life, Jesus is, is meeting you here in this place, in this moment. The invitation is coming. I simply ask if you would slip up your hand high, and it would be my honor to pray with you today. If you're here today and you say, I want that first-hand encounter for myself, would you slip your hand up real quick? If there's anyone here, I see that hand at the back. Thank you, sister. If there's anyone else today, the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. If there's anyone else, maybe you're here today and you had a first-hand relationship or a first-hand encounter, but you've let it slip. And maybe once where you were faithful, now you're just kind of living from day to day, stumbling even through the darkness, and you're here today, and your heart is beginning to stir again like in the days of old. And, and the Holy Spirit is here because God is married to the backslider. And he's saying, come home today. Come home today. In the name of Jesus, if you're here and you need to rededicate your life to God afresh and anew, would you slip your hand up? Because we need to pray today and get things right on the crossroad. I see that hand. I see many hands going up in this place today the name of Jesus. And here's what we're going to do, church. We're going to pray. The Bible simply says that we have to believe in our heart, but we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm not, it's not a formula. It's not a magical prayer. All it simply is, is I'm going to help you pray this prayer, but God has to be the one that you are chasing after today. So would you join me as we pray? Those of you who lifted your hands, I would love for you to join in prayer. Everyone else in this place too, let's pray this prayer together as you repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you would meet me on the crossroad of my life. Today, there is a new life that is about to begin and it starts in me. So I declare with my mouth that I believe in my heart and I confess now with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
thank you for taking the journey to meet me here in my state and in my present condition. I give everything over to you now. And I give you permission to change me from the inside out. Take the evil desires away and replace them with godly desire. Holy Spirit, come and lead me, guide me, and point me to the truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died on the cross so that I might be saved. Thank you for being the Savior of the world and for loving me. I give you all of me now. And now I declare that I am a new creation. All things are past and everything is made new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give it Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.